Health is the base of where we go, you know, because if you don't have your health, you cannot enjoy life. Today, I'm very fortunate to have Peter Farrell with me today. He's retired from the Marine Corps. He's, he, he did what very few people can do, to be honest. He got every single stripe they had to offer. I mean, and he would have done more, but he just got through explaining a little bit to me as to why he didn't. He said he'd rather be treated, I'm just paraphrasing, like a general without being a general. <laughs> by doing what he did, <laughs> which is not easy by any means. So without any further ado, let's talk with Peter. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, this, is, uh, this is awesome. Uh, and I, you know, uh, actually the first time I met you, you probably don't remember this, was at the Nusano Hotel. It was very brief and it was just in passing. And uh, this was about, this was a couple years ago. Was it? It was. But you were, were you, you were out, you were already retired? I, I, had, I was already retired. Like I said, I've been retired for seven years. Uh, but, uh, but it was just in passing. And you're, you're such a kind gentleman that, that you, you stopped and, uh, and you just looked at me and, and you, you said, you, you, and I was like, hello, how are you? And you were just, well, hello, how are you? And then I stood up, I said, hey, I'm Pete Farrell. And you said, oh, I'm Lance Lee. And I was like, oh. And we were in a group of people, so you didn't want to interrupt. So you're just like, oh, okay, it's just, uh, and you just kind of just in passing, you were just in passing. It was a very quick conversation, but uh, like I said, a couple years ago, pre-COVID times. Okay. All right. And I just remembered that, mm -hmm. you know, when I saw you uh, at the barbecue, you know, right. with Mark. And, well, see, uh, I didn't really see you at the barbecue. I saw your son. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, <laughs> Pete has a son. He just had him, and I think he's, he's 11 months old now. Yeah, he'll be 11 in 11 three days. Old. And he had him in his arms. Now he walks in there, and there's nothing but adults in there. And this is the barbecue place, restaurant we went to. And he brings his son in, in his arm like this, and his son is so chill, just, just stares at you and just piercing. And I go up to touch him, and his son pulls his arm back, but not real fast, just kind of like, you know, I don't know you yet. Then I walk with Pete over to his wife and his wife's mother. They were sitting together. And his son started looking at me, and I put my hand up again. The son grabs my finger and just kind of looks at me. And, just <laughs> and I just fell in love with him because he was fan. I mean, he has such a, an old spirit, I believe. Yes. So I'm not going to keep on going with that. No. I, might even, I might even take this part out. <laughs> listen, but Pete, tell us, where were you born? I was born at uh, Fort Meade, Maryland. Fort Meade, Maryland. I am a, uh, I'm the last of six children. You're, in the, you're, you're a military brat, as we used to yes, say? Yes, my dad uh, joined the Marine Corps in 1953. And uh, he uh, was stationed all over. He spent 34 years in the Marine Corps. And uh, he's passed now, uh, passed in 2009. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but he, uh, I was born in Fort Meade, Maryland. We moved to Camp Lejeune uh, after a couple years, and then a couple years we moved to uh, San Diego, California. And you're the youngest of? Six. Tell me the, with the, the sexes. And okay, top, uh, there's, the top two is uh, my two sisters. Okay. All right, Rita and Liz. Uh, and I have three brothers, uh, Matthew, uh, Joseph, and Francis. How many years between you and the oldest? Uh, oh, seven. Between you and the oldest, seven yes. years? Yes, my, my mother was, was pregnant in 1960, 1961, 1962, 1963, 1964, and 1967. <laughs> she was pregnant for five years straight. You guys are really close to, aren't you? We, we are. Uh, we, uh, unfortunately, uh, my, my brother Matt uh, passed away uh, on, uh, last, uh, right before Christmas Is last he the year. oldest of the four boys? He's the oldest of the four boys, yes. Oh. That's yes, to hear. Uh, it was uh, it's pretty tragic, mm. but uh, is, but, mom, okay? is but mom doing okay? Mom passed uh, oh. in 2020, okay. so she was 84. 84. 84. My dad passed; he was 76. That's not bad, you know. Yeah. To be honest, it's not bad, but uh, but he, you know, we, we talked earlier about uh, being healthy and how kind of all of us were duped uh, to to kind of eat, uh, you know things process. that weren't yeah processed that your foods. body can't process yes and he 
you know, 1953, you know, it was uh, pretty cool to smoke, you know, in what those days. What year was he born? He was born in 1933. He was a, a marathon runner. Uh, he, uh, in when he was 62, 63, he had uh, lung surgery. And when the doctors opened him up, they were like, uh, ooh, your lungs are bad because of your smoking. But the rest of your organs look like you're 30 years old. I mean, you're in great shape. And, uh, and he was, it was just his lungs were really, really bad because he smoked cigarettes most of his life and then uh, smoked cigars and, uh, and uh, yeah. And he just was basically eating unhealthy, but he loved to PT. He loved to, you know, physical training. Uh, and he would run 10Ks. I would go with him as, as a kid. I would go with him to uh, run a, on a Saturday morning, go run a, a 10K uh, right there in San Diego. And- uh, Starting at what age? Started, well, for you? For me, oh, I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old. Your brothers were doing the same? They were doing the same. What they about were, your sisters? My sisters, they, they would PT, but they weren't too much into that. They were more, okay. uh, I don't know. Uh, more, my sister Rita, more academic type. Okay. And uh, my sister Liz, she was more physical. Uh, and then my, of course, my brothers, my brother Matt. My brother Matt was a lumberjack. So he's the only one that's passed. Yes, he's the only one that's passed. But everyone else is still here with us. Yes. That's good. Yes. Uh, he was a lumberjack. Yes, he was. Uh, he, uh, he, I, I remember when I was 16 years old, I would go up to his, uh, his uh, cabin in uh, Forest Hill, uh, California. It's uh, up in Northern California, very, very wooded. And uh, he would uh, teach me about uh, falling trees and about, uh, you know, just basic carpentry. He built his own house and he, out, outdoors, woodsy type, uh, kind of off the grid, <laughs> if we, like we talked about earlier. But, uh, but he was, uh, yeah, an amazing, uh, an amazing man. Um, Where was your uh, father from? Where's he from originally? My father was originally from Decatur, Illinois. Okay. And, and your mother? Mother from Brooklyn, New York. Now that's interesting. Well, because he was stationed as a Marine, he was stationed in Brooklyn. That's where he met her. That's where he met her because there was a Marine. Uh, detachment up there in Brooklyn. And uh, he met her there in 1957, 58, and uh, got married in 59. And um, wow, the- They stayed the together the whole time? The whole time, yeah. They it was stayed. hard to leave with six kids. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was uh, we have some stories. I can uh, imagine. You know, my dad, uh, if I could talk about but him for a little bit. You can talk about whoever you want to. This yes, is your uh, my dad, he joined in 1953. He. Um, uh, spent, you know, he was an enlisted Marine. Uh, his, actually, his first duty station, uh, if I... He would have made, but I'm just trying to think. He would have been ready for the Korean War. He Absolutely. went to the Korean War because he missed World War II. In fact, he, was, uh, he went to Hawaii uh, with 2nd Battalion, 3rd Marines, and then went to Camp Fuji to train to go to Korea because they were all training to go to Korea. Well, while they were at Camp Fuji, the armistice was signed. So they stayed at Camp Fuji for like you know, 10 months or something. And so he has a lot of pictures from Camp Fuji. Don't they still have that camp here? They certainly do. In fact, that's, thought, that's yes. where I retired from. Camp Fuji? Camp Fuji. Isn't that a... That was my dad's first duty station. In your last? In my last bookends are you the in only, our career. Are you the only child that he had that went to the service? No. I had uh, my brother Frank uh, did a small uh, stint in this... Uh, I think it's a service. It's called the Air Force or something. I, <laughs> I, I think too, I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm you joking. You guys are too cool. <laughs> no, no. Was it, wasn't that the Fourth of July? They had that in there too. I think the guy got up there and he was a recruiter and he said, "Look, you guys can join." The, wait, what did he say? He said, "You can be a Marine, you can join the Army, mm. or you can join the Air Force, <laughs> <laughs> something like that." <laughs> well, it's true. You you it join other services and you become a Marine. You don't join the Marines, you become a Marine. But don't, can't, they, can't they, during wartime, put you in the Marines? Uh, there, there was, in Vietnam, there were a couple where they persuaded people to join the Marine Corps. They had, because you can't actually be drafted into the Marines. It, typically, no. But the Army and the Army, Navy? Army, Navy, Air Force. Air no. Force you can't be drafted into. No. No, you no. have to enlist. You have and to you enlist? have to test ah. to get in. So the Army and Navy, I guess. The Army and Navy, because the well, Air that, Force, yeah. That went away in 73, though. Oh, the, did it really? With the, uh, yeah, the... Uh, all the all volunteer force started in 1973. Okay. Uh, reason why I know that because I spent time as a as a recruiter uh, in my career as a recruiting sergeant major in Nashville, Tennessee. By the way, 
Anyway, let me finish with my dad. Right. Uh, my dad, because uh, uh, he has an interesting career. He uh, spent 34 years, which is unusual. At that time. At that time. Yeah. Uh, so 1966 or so, uh, he was a uh, staff sergeant. He was a staff sergeant twice because uh, in, in 1959, they changed the rank structure in the Marine Corps where it was, you know, E1, E2, E3, E4, E5, you know, it was uh, private, private first class, corporal, sergeant, staff sergeant. Well, they introduced the Lance Corporal as an E3 in 1959. And he, uh, so he was a staff sergeant E5, and then he got promoted to staff sergeant E6. He's still a staff sergeant, but he got promoted to E6 because the rank structure. I digress. He, uh, <laughs> he, uh, Got a temporary commission in 1966 from because uh, he went to warrant officer school, and after warrant officer school, he got a temporary commission to lieutenant. They were doing temporary commissions uh, for Vietnam in 1966. Just for that term. Just for that for for Vietnam, so he uh, was uh, promoted to second lieutenant, first lieutenant, uh, captain, and uh, 19 uh, in 1968 uh, he uh, he went to Vietnam, and uh, flew into Da Nang. Flew up in, uh, in February of 1968 to a little place called Quezon. Uh, and uh, right when he got there, things started going uh, haywire. Uh, and they, uh, so he spent the whole duration of the, the siege of Quezon in 1968 and uh, got back from there. And the uh, thing that, that uh, a lot of people have a lot of heartburn with the Marine Corps was with those temporary commissions, they were promoting like staff sergeants, a staff NCO. To, to get commissioned. Well, in 1971, the Marine Corps was like, well, we don't need you anymore. We're drawn down out of Vietnam. We're reverting you back to uh, Staff Sergeant. So you have a captain leading Marines in combat and having to go back to be a platoon sergeant. And that didn't sit well with a lot of Marines. And it, they, they didn't do the Marine Corps right there. They could have just kept. But, uh, but my dad went back to being a warrant officer. So uh, he, that wasn't so bad because he was still uh, a commissioned officer. So he finished his uh, did, uh, chief warrant officer one, two, three, and four. And uh, he uh, uh, went, he, the way that he did it was he would go, uh, uh, we moved to Camp Pendleton, and he would go to Okinawa for a year uh, unaccompanied and then come back. And I stayed on Camp Pendleton, which is really unusual, for almost 15 years. To let you stay, yeah, the housing on Pendleton, that's to for sure. To stay the housing on, on Pendleton. And he went alone to Okinawa, came back, and spent three or four years. Because, you know, you get, Marines have to move every two to three years. So he opted to go unaccompanied, do that year, come back. And uh, so I I'd spent my whole, uh, my whole grade school, junior high, and high school in the same school system. Which is really, really unusual. Really, for, well, not for just military you, but kids. So your brothers and sisters. Well, my brothers and yeah, sisters, right. who are older than me, they, you know, they moved around while they were at, you know, at in Maryland and in Camp Lejeune. Mm -hmm. They moved different schools right. and uh, and what have you. But uh, but all of them, uh, uh, you know, st graduated in the same high school, which was good. You know, so was my dad. Pendleton? At Camp Pendleton, Camp Pendleton in right. Fallbrook. Fallbrook is a uh, little town outside Camp Pendleton. Right. So. Uh, very, uh, uh, it was very fortunate. We were very fortunate. My dad made tremendous sacrifice for us uh, to, for his kids. Mm -hmm. So I was very uh, influenced so much that uh, my brother Frank joined the Air Force and uh, around um, uh, 1990, around Gulf War time. And my brother Joe actually joined the Marine Corps before I did in 1983. And he stayed in until 1987. My brother Joe uh, is now living in uh, in thailand and he's married to a thai girl uh thai lady there in thailand and enjoying life there in uh are both your sisters married too uh my sister rita is married and she has uh four daughters and uh and she has granddaughters and uh i think she's about to become a great grandmother but uh my uh, my sister liz opted not to get married just enjoy life, by, by, and uh, and she's now living in Florida. Mm -hmm. um, my sister Rita is living in in Tennessee. They were all living in California, but they opted to get out of California. When recently? Recently, I think a lot of people have. 
Yes. And especially if they've lived anywhere else and realize there's a difference between just the quality of your, the air and the sky and the weather and, and the quality and of the environment that you're living in. And the economy. Exactly. Uh, and it just the, kind of the restrictions, uh, a lot, you know, the, the COVID restrictions and things like oh, that. Oh, that really emphasized it, it really even more. Emphasized even more, and there's a lot of things going on with uh, the the politics of of California. I mean, the, the the cities are just being run down. That are just it's terrible to see. It is. So going through school, Pete, tell me, you focused on what sports more than anything else they, when you were young? Uh, I was very sports minded. I uh, I ran uh, cross country in uh, in high school and track. Uh, did the mile, two mile in track, and uh, ran cross country. So I was pretty quick. Okay. in the day. So when I went to recruit training in 1986, uh, it was, uh, physically it was a breeze for me. How old were you? 18. 18. So you didn't go to college, you just went straight in? Straight in, right out of high school. Um, my brother, uh, who was a Marine at the time, you know, if, you, if you're able to recruit a Marine, you know, get somebody to join the Marine Corps, you get points for promotion. So he was like, Pete, you got to join the Marine Corps. I, I want to get promoted. <laughs> so, he, uh, so he got the points and uh, he got promoted to corporal, and I joined the Marine Corps. That's so, uh, so I was, uh, you know, I, I ran a lot, and I uh, uh, very, very active. Uh, not too academic uh, at the time, but uh, during my active service, I did take uh, college uh, through the university, uh, uh, American Military University, AMU. Well, you have to continue to educate yourself to stay to stay in the service. Yes. And people uh, don't realize that. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's more enlisted Marines that are coming in with degrees that, uh, so it's kind of, what's the difference, you know, between, say, a, a corporal with a degree and a lieutenant with a degree? The corporal has you know, four or five years experience where the lieutenant doesn't. So who's, who's leading who? Exactly. And uh, so there's more of that today. When I joined the Marine Corps in 1986, I initially went to Marine Barracks in Washington, D.C., uh, which was kind of a prestigious place, you know, the honor guard, the president's, you know, uh, honor guard. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, kind of rubbing elbows there with a lot of the politicians and everything else. That, that was during the Reagan years, 1986. So I saw, you know, I was one of those guys at the White House that would uh, hold the weapon and, then, you know, Reagan's there meeting, you know, other foreign heads of state, you know, right there at the White House. So. So I had that opportunity, and then I uh, went to uh, 1st Battalion, 9th Marines at Camp Pendleton, and uh, we did a, what's called a Westpac. Got on the USS Tarwa, and we did a Westpac. And a Westpac is get on a, a boat, and we hit all the different ports in Asia, from uh, Japan and Sasebo. We went uh, to Thailand, we went to Philippines, Hong Kong, Korea. And we did all the, and we did training in, in all the areas. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what was your job? What was your purpose the, doing that? The purpose is, is uh, <laughs> it's a, 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 you know, the Marine Corps is a force in readiness, and we're that battalion, it's, it's a BLT, battalion landing team, in the area. So if uh, something happens, there's a, there's a battalion ready to go. And there's always a battalion uh, ready to go, you know, floating around the world. Right. So that just goes with, you know, the the security treaties that we have with a lot of countries around. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but, uh, but when I went overseas for the first time, uh, it was, and I was uh, about 20, 20 years old, 21, and I went into, you know, Sasebo, and I saw Japanese, you know, the, the, the port there uh, in, into Nagasaki, and it's like, wow, this is different. You had never, with your father traveling all over, and he stayed in for, you said, 35? 34 years. 34 years? Yes. You never, he, he, was, he went unaccompanied we, He went unaccompanied. We went and we took trips, uh, 1975 and again in 78, we took trips, or 77, across the United States to go back to Illinois, to go back to New York, to see our cousins. And we would just go back, you know, these road trips. With six kids. In a station wagon. No, it was, it was a van. You had a van? It was a van. In 1975, uh, this is a quick story. 1975, with six kids, um, I was, uh, what, seven, eight years old, you know, and then my brothers and sisters, you know, they're like, uh, uh, like 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. And uh, I, we were driving somewhere, 
I don't know, somewhere in Arkansas, maybe. Or mom and dad are with you? Mom and dad. And dad's he's driving. Dad's driving. Okay. 1975. Okay. Okay. Imagine 1975. Okay. Were seatbelts worn? No. 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 Was there a big push on drinking and driving? No. My job was to hand my dad a beer. <laughs> He's like, you know, he's driving, you know, he's like, Pete, give me another Miller Light. <laughs> I, in, the, in the cooler, you know, pull the tab off, you know, and smoking a cigar and driving. And killing everybody in the back, because uh, no. you're trying to breathe through <laughs> Every, all that. You're oh, gonna, he's oh, smoking everything, and, and surprised we don't all have things going on. But, uh, but there was one time, it was late at night, that my dad pulled over, and he said, hey, this guy's following me. And he's, I'm gonna get out and see what he wants. And uh, you know, he's a Marine, you know? So uh, he got out and the guy, and the guy pulled over it. And uh, he started talking to him. He's like, uh, well, hey, if, if you want some trouble, I got, I got four more boys in the back that you know, we can make some, uh, make some trouble. And he looked and he said he saw the, the Marine Corps sticker on, on the back and he just got in his car and left. There was two of them. Got in their car. They were trying. Oh, they were just try some trouble. Yeah, some trouble. They yeah. wanted to start some trouble. But my dad said, "Come on." He said, "I got four <laughs> boys." He didn't tell him the age. <laughs> he just said, "I got four more boys in the back. You want some trouble?" And uh, they they just took off. Because you're out in the middle of nowhere. Out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and my mom was going crazy. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, I, I didn't like him following me, you know. And because you know he has that sense. You know, he's been, been to combat, you know, well, yes, you, know, you know. He, he knows. You have to deal with it straight on. If you run, you're all, what'd they say? A coward dies a thousand deaths. Yes. Yeah. A brave man, only one. Yeah. Outstanding. I like that. He, uh, so he was that type of man. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he had a great influence. And, uh, and when I went overseas, I said, I'm going to, man, I went to, out of all the countries, Korea, China, uh, uh, Hong Kong, uh, the Philippines, um, uh, we, out of all the countries, I really liked Japan. Why? What about it? It was, uh, you know, I'm a young, I'm a young man. How old you were know? you then? I was, uh, like I said, 20, 21 years old. And, uh, you, you don't want to use the young, dumb, okay, we no, won't do that No, no, okay, no, no, I'm not going to go there. This is family friendly. This okay. is family friendly, no. And I know that saying, by the way. Uh, of but, course you do. But I, you know, and of course, you know, Thailand, the Philippines, uh, Korea, they all have beautiful people, beautiful people. Uh, but the Japanese people were very, they're beautiful too. Uh, but there's uh, like a, it's hard to put your finger on it, but uh, I don't know, just so polite, so polite. You know, you uh, went to the Philippines and in, in Korea, uh, even in Hong Kong, people weren't as polite. They were polite indeed, and, they were, and it, everyone's different, but uh, same here in Japan. But just for the most part, the culture is uh, very polite. Um, and I, I noticed that. So uh, came back from the deployment, and, uh, and when it, in, in 1990, uh, I uh, had the opportunity to uh, uh, re-enlist. I said, they, they said, hey, would you like to re-enlist? And I was like, Okay, I'll re-enlist for, I was going to get out. I was going to get out and go to school. After four years? After four years. I was going to get out, go to school, but I uh, stayed. And I, after that experience, I, I was, I want to go back overseas. So uh, my dad re-enlisted me, you know, because uh, he's a commissioned officer, so he can re-enlist. He was still in? Oh, he was out. He was retired. He was a, but he can re-enlist you as yes. a commissioned officer? As a com any commissioned officer can, can, re can enlist you or re-enlist you. Yes, any commissioned officer. I didn't know that. Yes. So uh, he re-enlisted, he enlisted me in the Marine Corps, uh, and he re-enlisted, he re-enlisted me several times throughout my career. But you had it all going together. So he enlisted you, your brother got the points. Yes. <laughs> he has kept it all in the family. Oh, it, it, was, it was a Marine Corps family. It was a Marine Corps family. All of your uh, brothers joined yeah, the Yeah, the black sheep was my brother Frank, because he joined the Air Force. <laughs> you told me like so, that. <laughs> How long did he stay in, four years? Uh, he just stayed, actually he got, they, they were offering early outs. They sure did. In the, in the 1990s and uh, early 90s, and he was like, I'm out. How many years? Just like three years, two years, three and a half, three, three years. So, uh, so he got out. And, uh, and actually, uh, I heard you, uh, you were talking uh, about the Chambers of Commerce. Uh, he's a, a, 
the uh, the president of the chambers of commerce in California for a small town. Is that right? Yes. Okay. In fact, sister city is uh, it's a, a town, man. The name escapes me, but uh, a town uh, right outside Chiba, uh, outside Tokyo, next to Chiba. Um, it's a sister city. Sister city to the sister city to his to his Ripon, I think Ripon, California, and uh, he. Uh, Asked me to maybe when I get a chance to go there, and because it's a sister city. So, but he he just became the president of the chamber. Uh, last year, yes. So how is long was the term? One year. I'm not sure okay. how long the term okay. is. Okay, because ours but was one year. You could do a max of two years. I see, uh, but because he's the president, he was like, "Hey, Pete, you know, because you're in Japan, yeah, maybe you could go there." And and they did a, uh, you know, because of uh, COVID, they normally meet, but because of COVID, they couldn't. Uh, and uh, he just asked, uh, you know, they had a video conference, and I tapped into that. But, uh, but in any case, I, uh, uh, for my career, that's the reason why I'm in Japan, is uh, I, I came to Japan first in 1989. Then I came and uh, went to Okinawa and PCS to Japan uh, in Okinawa. And I, say, I stayed in Okinawa for six years which was unusual for a single Marine. You, oh, that's right, you were single. I was a single Marine. Because uh, you get, single I think only gets two years. Yes, actually. So how'd you get six years? You had at, to at that time, it was only one year. Uh, it was one year uh, unaccompanied, or one year. Uh, single. Single. Right. Uh, three years if you're married. Right. But one year if you're single. And what I just kept on doing is I, and you know, maybe it's, you know, someone looking after me, because, he knows my life even before I live it, right? Of course. So he he knows that hey, you need this time to to you know learn Japanese, learn the culture, uh, become appreciative of of but this even culture. Though he knows that, how did you get to stay here six years? That's uh, a mar marine. Miraculous. Uh, it's unusual because I, I did my my year, and uh, and I asked for an extension, and uh, and the Marine Corps headquarters, of Marine Corps at the time, they were like, no, no, no extensions. Um, because you have orders to uh, 29 Palms, California. is a two seven. property there. Is that right? <laughs> you used to go there as a beautiful, little kid. Beautiful. Uh, Palm Springs, the whole nine yards. They're yeah. about to build a casino close to where our property is. Oh. Ah. Yeah, in 29 Palms. Because nice. it was nothing but desert for the longest. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, any case, uh, I didn't go. Uh, and they offered me, unusual. And in those days, it was, uh, you know, uh, what is it, teletype? I don't know. They, messages. It wasn't computers, it was just messages, and uh, the message came back. Uh, extension for 12 months denied. However, extend for 17 months approved. Uh, so I, I took the 17 months. And then after the 17 months, uh, I, uh, it was time for me to re-enlist again. And so I re-enlisted to stay there for another two years. So uh, I stayed a total of six years in Okinawa, then uh, went to Hawaii, and then as soon as I got there, we were back in Okinawa on what's called the Unit Deployment Program, the UDP, and we came back to Okinawa for six months and then seven months. So all during the 90s, I was in Okinawa. So I, I took uh, University of Maryland while I was uh, in Okinawa. That's where I learned my Japanese. And uh, I do not speak Japanese. Someone asked me today, do you speak Japanese? I was, no, not really. Because I learned Japanese on my own. Uh, I went to the University of Maryland, took two classes, uh, in language classes, which helped tremendously with the grammar and everything. But uh, then uh, most of my Japanese came, because uh, there's textbook uh, Japanese, and then there's the way Japanese speak, right? The intonations. Um, uh, for example, uh, one time we went uh, to, uh, we did training with the Japanese uh, self-defense force. And we had a, uh, from Alameda, you know, a Japanese trained lieutenant that came and, uh, and he was, you know, got learned Japanese through school and uh, came to Japan to be a translator. And, um, but my CEO at the time knew that I was kind of helping him translate from while we were in Okinawa, you know, because I, I, I was learning, you know, I was learning Japanese. And, uh, and so he would bring me to all the different, uh, meetings that they would have, you know, the high-level meetings uh, with the commanders. And I was just a sergeant at the time, E5 sergeant. And, uh, and I would go there with the lieutenant and help the lieutenant because he would say something and then and then I would be like, hey, you would say it this way, you know. 
He'd say his Japanese like an American would say, you know, konnichiwa, watakshiwa, watakshiwa, you know, ogenki desuka, desuka, right? Yeah. So, so I would say it again in the way, you know, with intonation, with with the way it should be said, and ah, um, and so he would, uh, so I would help, and I got a nice certificate at the end of the operation and everything. It was pretty nice, but. Uh, but I, uh, the way I learned Japanese was basically uh, not just through the University of Maryland, but I would go to different uh, places. I've spent more time off base than on base as a serviceman. I would go and explore, and I would learn a phrase, you know, uh, like, kikitai kotoba arimasu. I have a question, you know. And, you know, and then I'd be like, what's my question? Nanji desu ka? Yeah, I'll do that one. So I would go out and uh, say, ah, sumimasen, kikitai koto ga arimasu. And they'd be like, hai. And I'd be like, ah, nanji desu ka? And they'd laugh, right? And they'd go, ah, you know, you know, hachiji, you know, jupun desu. And I'd be like, hai, arigato gozaimasu. I'd be like, what was that? And they'd say it so fast, I wouldn't know what time it was, and they'd say it so fast. So I soon found out that numbers are very important. If you learn numbers, you're, you're good to go. So I would, I would go out and uh, I would uh, go to snack bars in Okinawa <laughs> and uh, I would listen to the Enka because at that time they would have these big discs for karaoke and they would, uh, they would start to sing Enka, which is slow, mostly slow. And I would learn the, how to pronounce the words in the native language. So I would do that and of course at different levels of sobriety. Right. Because I, I, uh, and that's how I basically learned. And then uh, just getting out, and I pushed myself at that time. And uh, so it was, uh, it, was, it was a great time. I had a great time. I had a lot of friends. Um, you I still keep in contact with some of these people? I do, I do. And some, uh, are some of them still here? Uh, some, yeah, are still, uh, still here. They got uh, the same bug you did. Yes. Yeah, uh, it happens. Uh, there's, there's a different, you know, some Americans come to Japan and they just hate it. You know something, Pete? I think that's the same thing for the military. Hmm. You remember we used to say they had career men and then they had lifers. Hmm. If you're the career guy, you'd do okay even once you got out. Yeah. If you're the lifer, once you got out, your mortality rate was, I mean, you're almost done. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Because well, they had, they so used to being told what to do and they were just there. Yeah. They weren't really good for the service. Well, in, in the Marine Corps, it's, uh, it's really unique in that, uh, you know, you, you have to really, if to re-enlist, you have to really believe in, uh, in the Marine Corps and, and what it's doing. Uh, because it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's not a, it's not a job. Um, it is uh, something that, uh, you know, you, you create so many uh, different relationships with your fellow Marines. And, uh, and that's why when you see a Marine sees another Marine, it doesn't matter where they are, it doesn't matter if you know them, but they say they're a Marine, there's an instant kinship. That you it have. has to be because you know what you've been through. You've been, you you know you've both been through recruit training or That's you've right. been to OCS That's or right. you've been through that, that, uh, right. that grind. That's right. And, uh, and you, you found out what it's like to be who you are. I can't even say what I, you, okay, let's go into my era. Sure. You became a man. Hmm. Yes. And you, would, you were tested and you found out what it was like to be a man. Most people never know. And that's why when we get outside and you meet other people, I went to Harvard, Yale, so what? You still don't know what it's like to be a man. No, no. You're, you're not just tested mentally in the Marines, you're tested physically. Yes. And you find out how tremendous, and I won't say just the Marines, I think in the military, that basic training shows you what, how tremendous this organ is and how dare you defy it. Yes. And not treat it with ultimate respect. Yeah, it, uh, in the Marine Corps, we, uh, we have a saying, mind, body, spirit. You know, you have to train, you have to uh, increase uh, every, every aspect of your body and every aspect of your mind and, and your heart. Um, quick story, uh, I was a company first sergeant in, uh, in Officers Candidate School in Virginia, Quantico, Virginia. And you, you, we tested these college students, you know, to become commissioned officers in the Marine Corps. We tested them uh, mentally, physically, and spiritually, we tested them morally. Uh, there was this case where, uh, and we have a lot of uh, 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 
we call them Mustangers in the, in the Marine Corps, where we have enlisted that go to an officer candidate school and then become commissioned officers. Uh, they, uh, there was this one individual um, that was not, who didn't understand what it was to be a commissioned officer. He was a former enlisted Marine, but he didn't understand what it was to be a commissioned officer in that. Uh, there was one time that they were coming back from PT and uh, the sergeant instructors there, all, all commissioned officers are trained by enlisted, enlisted drill instructors. And they, uh, they train them and they push them. They push these, these candidates to, uh, you know, to weed the, the weak ones out and to make sure that they're fit to be commissioned officers to lead Marines. Uh, and this one particular guy, uh, said under his breath, you know, I can't wait until that guy salutes me, right? And one of the other candidates heard it and was like, that's just not right. And he was like, that's not right. And uh, one of the sergeant instructors heard it. I was like, is that right? It's like, you, don't, you can't wait until I salute you. Is that why you're here? Is that why you're here? Because you want salutes? So uh, brought it up to the colonel. This colonel was a no-nonsense colonel at the time who was the commanding officer of Officers Candidate School. And he brought that candidate in and just tore him up and said, there is no way you're going to become a commissioned officer in my corps. You know, in fact, I don't even think that you're going to last long being a Marine. With that attitude, get out and kicked him out. And uh, he, uh, yeah, he never became a uh, commissioned officer. But there's, there's a, uh, you know, it's an awesome privilege to, to lead Marines, a privilege to lead. As you grow up in the Marine Corps, you, you see how, uh, what an honor it is to lead these young men and women, uh, not only in, uh, on deployments and in regular, uh, uh, you know, work, or whatever your MOS is, but, uh, you know, in combat, it's a uh, it's a tremendous, tremendous privilege uh, to to lead, and uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, oh my goodness, you summed so, it all up. That, that's that's fantastic. Tell us, let's get into what you're doing right now. Okay. Just briefly, tell us what you're doing right now. Well, I, I like I said, I retired out of Camp Fuji, right. and uh, I had the opportunity to because uh, Yokosuka's pretty pretty close. Uh, I decided to stay in Japan. Uh, I. Uh, uh, I, th I think I told you before, I got divorced. Um, and I said, uh, uh, so I'm not gonna, I kind of gave up everything that I had. You know, I had about 19 years being married, but I, and I, a couple houses, a couple cars, you know, uh, hefty savings account and bank accounts, IRAs and what have you. Uh, I was like, I'm gonna start over. And just give it all up. I gave it all up. <laughs> I gave it all up, said, I'm going to start over right here. And uh, so I started here, and uh, as a retired sergeant major, I became a, uh, a, the general manager for a club that's uh, located on Yokosuka, Fleet Activities Yokosuka, uh, the Club Alliance, it's called. Yes. And uh, so I became, uh, got into the food and beverage business, which I had some aspect as a sergeant major. You're working with MWR. Uh, and you're, uh, so I had a, and I actually worked for MWR as a sergeant when I was in Okinawa as a bartender. But, uh, but I had a, a little experience with the food and beverage business, but I learned a lot when I, uh, when I started uh, about, you know, food and beverage, uh, cost of goods and inventory. Well, and, real and quick, MWR still stands for? Morale, what? Welfare, and Recreation. Okay, Morale, Welfare, welfare and, and Recreation. recreation right. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, been working there, uh, Club Alliance for five years, then I, I, they transferred me over to the Chief Petty Officer Club, and that's where I'm working now, Chief Petty Officer Club there uh, on Yokosuka as a general manager. So I just manage mm -hmm. uh, some great people, um, both, uh, they call them MLC, IHA, um, they're uh, the Japanese that work for us from, uh, in the Japanese government, as well as uh, the non-appropriated fund, uh, funded uh, Americans, uh, SOFA status, status of forces agreement, uh, people that work, and that's what I am, SOFA. Um, and uh, been working there and learned tremendous. But like, like I said, uh, about two years ago, I really changed uh, my, first off, my diet. 
And uh, here, uh, you know, for uh, 54 years or so, I was eating the typical American diet as a, as a Marine. I, you know, I would get up in the morning and, you know, grab a Snickers and a, and a Mountain Dew and I'd be good to go, you know, as a young, young Marine and go out and go PT, you know, run five miles and do the obstacle course times two and easy. But uh, McDonald's, you know, I go uh, breakfast at McDonald's, lunch at Taco Bell and, uh, and dinner at, at Burger King. You know, that type of food I was eating throughout my life. And uh, well, how would you but, say how many decades would you say two? Uh, three, like uh, for th 30 years. Uh, well, actually, because I was fit. I was 53 when I changed my diet. So for that five decades, I was eating the American diet. But your but the physical stress you were putting on your body stopped you from retaining all that stuff. Yes, I was okay, okay. PTing a lot, right, all the time, okay. a lot, and my right. uh, my metabolism being young and everything else. Right, right. But as I started to get older, and uh, even at uh, you know my later years, the last three years or four years, uh, I started to notice it was getting harder to, to, to maintain the weight. Uh, you know, the height and weight standard of the Marine Corps. You were holding on. To and more. I, so I would you know try to uh, limit the amount of calories and things that I was eating, but I uh, I didn't. Uh, I knew once I retired, there's no more weight standard, right? There's a, so I, actually, about two years ago, I, I was about 25 pounds, more almost 30 pounds, uh, more than I am now. Mm. Uh, and you could see it in my face and in my belly. And my current wife would always remind me, uh, hey, you know, she'd reach around and say, what is this? <laughs> Why do all Japanese wives do that? My wife. <laughs> Used to, and I used to drive me nuts. We used to stop grabbing. Well, I don't have it anymore, but man, that used to drive me nuts. Yes, but, uh, but she, and she's great, uh, she if is. I may kind of. I met, I met her and her mother, and they yes. were both sweet people, I could tell. Absolutely. Uh, she, uh, and she helped me during this transition of my life. She helped uh, me maintain a, uh, a, a healthy, healthy lifestyle. Uh, in that, I actually met her uh, 2017, and uh, that was about a year after I retired. And uh, we uh, we dated for about four years until I uh, asked her in uh, 2020 2021 um, asked her to marry me, and that's when we got married. Uh, actually, I asked her to marry me on 10 November uh, at the Marine Corps birthday at the Nusano, and a lot of those Nusano guys there they remember. Because I, I proposed. Did you, the, you did the whole thing. I, I can show you a picture okay, later here, but uh, uh, you know, I was in uniform. Was she expect? She had she no. She had clue? no idea. She had no clue. How did it go? Well, obviously, I mean, I mean, I know well, how it ended up. But. What happened was, I, I talked to the CEO and the Sergeant Major of Camp Fuji, and I said, "Hey, I'm going to propose to Hitomi." They both knew Hitomi, and uh, I said, "I'm going to propose," and they were like, "Really?" They were like, "Hey, Pete, we are going to set it up, and we'll, you know, we'll set it up where you can get her." Uh, up on stage. So uh, during the ceremony, right after uh, the, the guest of honor spoke, they, uh, they said, hey, you know, we have a, uh, a, a previous sergeant major that wor uh, worked here at Camp Fuji. This is the Fuji family. Uh, and he has some uh, words of wisdom to, to speak to. And I, I got up and I started talking. Hey, man, you know, hey, Marines, you know, it's a privilege for me to be here, uh, you know, and this is a, a, a great day, you know, our birthday. But it's a great day for another reason. So if I can ask he told me to come up. And, and I told her, I said, hey, uh, can you vi video while I'm up there? Can you take a, so she's holding the, the video camera. She's like, she doesn't know. She's like, you want me to come up or what do you want me to do? And, I, and Sergeant Major Paz, he, uh, he came and uh, gave me the ring and he took the video from her and she got in front of me. And then I just, you know, just pretty much said, you know, you're the, the you've, you've changed my life. I am uh, I'm a different man than I was before I met you. And uh, you know, I'm, I would be privileged, honored, uh, if you would be my wife. And uh, I got on my knee and, and she was, and you know, she's almost crying, but she's, she's very nervous because this is in front of <laughs> about <laughs> three, 400 people, you know, all the Marines, right? All the Marines. And so she takes, you know, and I put the ring on and one of the Marines is like, what'd she say? <laughs> I said, yes. Yeah. 
So, uh, so yeah, she was very, very surprised. And we had so many people come up. Congratulations, congratulations. So, so we got married. We didn't. We haven't had a ceremony because of the uh, the COVID. And a ceremony, but uh, you know, for her and me is kind of down on the bucket list. It's not that important. That doesn't for us. make you more married. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it will make you more married. That's for sure. No, it doesn't. Uh, so she, uh, so, uh, so you know, got married, and then uh, soon after that, uh, whew, uh, yeah. Soon after that, uh, Kenji was conceived, and uh, Kenji was born on uh, in September six of uh, twenty twenty two, and um, and man, oh man, what a life changer! Kenji is uh, an incredible young man. That's beautiful. And uh, he, if I may, talk just a little sure, bit about may, Kenji. Sure Ken Kenji uh, is very unique in that uh, not that the way he was born. He was born completely natural a natural childbirth on a tatami mat and uh in futon and a uh you know midwife in a house just the way babies were born hundreds hundreds of years ago he was born that way and i was with kenji and he told me during the the birth and uh my wife in ask any woman about a natural childbirth with no epidural no 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 drugs no chemicals no no oxygen nothing it was just the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, and I was there because uh, in any hospital here in, in Tokyo or in Japan, the husband can't be there because of COVID reasons. And so the husband, you know, I, I've got a buddy of mine who, who had a, a kid just about three or four weeks before I did. And he spent like 15 minutes with the newborn. He, he wasn't there. He went into there and it's just 15 minutes with his newborn. Then like, I'm sorry, you gotta go. And it was just, that's it, you know, and then had to wait, you know, and, and visit every day. For me, I, I held on to my wife on, on the futon, on the tatami mat. I had her legs and, and went through the childbirth, went through and I saw my son born. Uh, and it was the most beautiful, incredible feeling to see my son born and then come onto uh, uh, my wife, skin-on-skin uh, -skin contact. And then they were like, uh, after about 15 minutes, uh, they were like, uh, Papa, it's your, and at that time, they said, hold on to the umbilical cord. Because it was still attached. Of course. And they kept it attached. Half hour, it, they kept it attached. And so he was still, while on, on my wife, and I'm holding, the umbilical cord, feeling the, the blood go through and life juices go through. And incredible feeling. Then I cut it and I put it on, I, I put Kenji on me. And, uh, and that, for another 10, 15 minutes, I held Kenji. And uh, all during the pregnancy, there were certain things I would talk to Kenji about. I would do different musical things. And uh, when, he, when he first got out, you know, they wiped his face and he started to cry. And they, and they gave, uh, gave it to my mother, or gave it to his mother. He, uh, he was still crying. And, uh, and I, I tapped Kenji and I, I did the, the musical thing. And as soon as I did the musical thing, you can see it on the video, he's crying, crying, and then he stops and looks up. And he remembers the musical notes I was singing to him while he was still inside Ooh, the, yes. the womb. And he stopped crying. And, uh, and he's been that special. And he, he got on me, heard my heartbeat, my breathing. And then uh, MWR gave me three months off. It's called paid parental leave. It's new. Three months off. And I was uh, able to be uh, with Kenji every day for three months, 24 hours a day. So we've created a, a relationship, a father-son relationship. That's why you had him. Okay, I got you. Uh, that is, so just, yes. it's very, I think, very unique. Uh, it is, most definitely. To, to, to modern society. To modern society. Because I think if you go into any of the places where you have indigenous people or people that are out away from the modernized society we've built, they're very close to their families. Yes, yes. Uh, and this is, well, unique for me because, uh, like I said, uh, to, uh, I was married before. Uh, I have a daughter. She's 23. She lives with her mother. Um, and uh, don't have much of a relationship at this point, which is uh, which I I know will change, 
I know will change. Uh, it just takes time. Um, and, uh, but Kenji is just uh, an incredible, and Hitomi is uh, such an incredible woman. Uh, she's a little bit younger than me. That doesn't hurt. Just a little bit younger. Does it? <laughs> uh, but uh, she is so mature for her age. She is. Uh, and she is on the same page as far as knowing the big picture about health, about uh, what's going on in the world today, um, and uh, how important it is to, uh, to be grounded uh, and to uh, be, uh, you know, health is, is the, how should I say, is the base, uh, is the, the, the base of, of where we go, you know, because if you don't have your health, you cannot enjoy life. You know, uh, you can have all the money in the world. You can have, so it doesn't matter. That if you don't have your health, if you're not feeling good, and you don't have that, uh, uh, that, that feeling of, of good health, you know, uh, you just don't enjoy. Pete, on that note, before we end the podcast, there's a question I'd like to ask. If you could go back in time, knowing what you know now, and meet the younger Pete and give him some advice, how old would that Pete be, and what advice would you give him? That's a good question. Um, I would say I would go back to when I was a child and, uh, and I would tell him, put down the Snickers bar, put down the Mountain Dew, uh, stick your nose in a book. Uh, and, uh, and as I told you, I was more of the, uh, the physical side. I would balance it out with the academic side. Because I started later to get on the academics side when uh, later in life. And if I had started that earlier, maybe I would have uh, made some better decisions. Because we all make bad decisions. But uh, definitely health. I would definitely say, uh, Pete, start to, uh, to uh, eat healthy and, uh, and have a healthy lifestyle. Because that you know, will we'll make your life much more enjoyable. Thank you so much, Pete. Thank you. Really thank you so it. much. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and make sure you subscribe. Never forget, it's all unknown, so continue to reach for the stars. Because you're too blessed to be stressed. Mm -hmm.